Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Breaking news as many of you and your generosity from our region volunteers, people who are donating, whether it's money, whether it's goods, whether it's donating blood, time, um, and prayers as we look toward what's happening in Florida with the recovery there. At least 21 people confirmed dead as of this hour and as Hurricane Ian, which, yes, is back to being a Category 1 Hurricane. So in other words, it was a tropical storm, left Florida, went out to sea, regained all that speed, and now packing a punch as it slams into the coast of South Carolina, the historic city of Charleston. I have family, actually, who just uh, celebrated their 10th year wedding anniversary. Happy anniversary, Station Justin. Just celebrated and went for a few days to Charleston because they love that historic, beautiful city which is now getting slammed. So there's so much to tell you about with regard to Ian, and then I'll I'll update you on the forecast for us because the forecast is ever-changing. So we'll talk about that. But as well, we have members of Philadelphia City Council now making demands and pointing the finger at Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney and his administration calling out Kenney for his lack of a concrete plan to deal with what's happening, to reduce the violence which is escalating as we reach some tragic numbers this week. Well over 400 homicides, well over 1,000 carjackings, and that's just the beginning. So Philadelphia City Council, I'll tell you about that moving forward as they are making demands of Kenny and his administration to come up with a plan and they want they want that plan of action to be, let's say, a 90-day or a 100-day plan of action. I think that's terrific as they call for something concrete and asking for transparency, wanting answers as to as to why the money that has been earmarked for all of this, why hasn't it been spent? Where is the money? And and why not spend it now and put it into action as our city, all of us, and whether or not you're a Philadelphia city resident, um, whether you come into the city, whether you once lived here, certainly this impacts each and every one of us. And I'll talk about the the trickle down so-called effect as we see more and more crime striking the suburbs. So that's happening, too. I'll take you to the update from NBC 10 News in a moment, and you'll hear from the protesters, but also the families 
those who are coping with the grief of of dealing with all this violence it's real for them you know i can't imagine what that what that's like for example of a father having to plan his teenage son's funeral uh, it, it's unthinkable and it's something that no parent at any stage in your life do you ever want to plan the funeral for your own child but these are parents who are grieving the deaths of you know their young children or teen children and this as the hearings in the navy yard continue today so i've told you about this that this is a state panel a bipartisan panel and they want answers they want to hear more and they're pushing for transparency within the district attorney's office calling out larry krasner who is uh, doubling down on his policies says they're working we'll talk about all of it but i want to get to the latest from nbc 10 news the pennsylvania house select committee on restoring law and order launched its two days of hearings today crime and lawlessness are holding the city back from achieving its full potential The committee subpoenaed the district attorney's office for various documents related to its policies and also the case of a police officer who was charged with murder. That led to Krasner suing the committee and then the state house voting to hold the DA in contempt. The resolution is adopted. It's also what led to the protest outside of the hearing. Why do these people think they can continue to use our pain, our loss, our anguish to fuel their treacherous and underhanded attacks against the same democracy they claim to be protecting. This is what community like. On Thursday, only one victim of violence testified in person and took questions from the committee. Do you swear or affirm that the testimony you are about to give is true? Nakisha Billa is the mother of Dominic Billa, who was gunned down inside of the food court of Philadelphia Mills Mall last year. I am here because of the lawlessness that continues to plague this city. Her son's alleged killer is awaiting trial behind bars after pleading not guilty. Other victim testimony was played on a video screen. My daughter was shot three times. One time in the head. I just was like, Jada, mommy love you, mommy love you, and I just kissed her. Some of their cases have yet to be solved, and their complaints were geared towards police. Not getting any answers or justice for my daughter. Still no arrests. Um... No persons of interest? No, nothing. The members of the committee, including Chairman Representative John Lawrence, said afterwards that their committee will look at all facets of public safety, not just the DA's office. The committee is taking a broad look at the situation with regard to crime in the city of Philadelphia as it stands today. And we're taking a very broad look. We aren't going to leave, uh, we're going to leave any stone unturned. And so the committee continues today. And, you know, I will say that it's it's unfortunate that this becomes political, because if you're one of the families, of course, who attended this and you lost a loved one, you know, I I hope they, you know, they fully understand that the group outside those people who, you know, they were trying to claim that this is a political circus. And so they had a juggler on stilts and acrobats and people dressed as, you know, zebras and an elephant and all of that. You know, and and so I'm sure if you're walking in and you're grieving the loss of a loved one and you, you don't have justice even in their murder, um, you know, that's that's hard to to take. I can't even imagine. But it's it's they're not obviously protesting the, you know, the survivors, the families of the victims. They're there to make a statement because this, of course, 
There's the swirl of politics. We're coming up on the midterm elections. And so they want to make this more about the politics. For me personally, I don't care who you have to fire. I don't care. I don't care how they get this done at this point. I'm simply saying that we need to put city leadership's feet to the fire and say, you need to be humble. You need to look at yourself and your policies and not double down. It's not about you or your politics or your ego or whether you were right or wrong. It's not about blaming whoever. It's about figuring out a plan and working with everybody. And I think that takes such humility and and just a, a somebody who is ironclad and tight. Really, they are titanium, right? They are somebody who's saying, you know what? I'm going to have a thick skin about it, and I'm not going to worry about the politics or the appearance. Let's hunker down. Let's roll up our sleeves. Let's look at all of the hundreds of millions of dollars. They have, what, a surplus in our city budget of a half a billion dollars? Let's roll out the money with good plans that will bring tangible, visible, concrete results to making our streets safer. Stop. They've got to have a zero tolerance policy. But that also means gaining the community's support. There's a way to do this. There is a pathway to work together. So we, the people, we are allowing these divisions when there is no place for a division right now. We should all be united in saying, law enforcement, we support you. And yes, bring in the feds, bring in the National Guard, do what you've got to do to keep the schools, the wrecks, the, the playgrounds. I mean, Mayor Jim Kenney, yeah, you know, saw earlier, you know, this week, signing an executive order. And you see the, the video and they're, and they're taking pieces of paper and cardboard and, and they're stapling it up to a building with a, with a gun in a circle and a red line drawn through it. No gun zone. As if, as if that's going to solve it, it solves nothing. And, and it's an insult if you live in the city of Philadelphia. So I'm glad, I'm glad for council, you know, saying, Mayor Jim Kenney, we want you and your administration, we want to see your plan in writing. And it has to be a 90 to 100 day plan. And we want to see the, the plan installed and making a difference and the money rolling out to fit. And, and what, what does that mean? That means, yes, National Guard, feds, state troopers, whatever it takes, hiring more police, however you do it, get it done. Get her done, as they say. This is not acceptable in our beautiful soul. I hesitate to even, you know, for us to play the next story because I know it's a Friday and I do. We will share and celebrate some joy, but I think we have to bring it home to what individual parents and grandparents are dealing with. I want you to listen as I go to this next news report, NBC 10 news report. And a mother describing what happened as, and I relate to this, I'm that mom at the side of the football field and waiting for my son to come, you know, to come off the field. And I know he's going to be sweaty and stinky in the car and he's going to be starving, hungry, and I've already planned dinner. And my husband's saying, what are we eating for dinner? And And all of that just evaporates in a moment when gunshots ring out. So listen to this. This mother 
And I relate to this because if that happened to me, I would be the same. I would run right toward my child. And that's what this mom did when gunfire rang out. Her son, an an innocent victim, will never come home. Meredith, talk to me about when you saw the surveillance video. I was there. I don't need to see the surveillance video, though I saw it. I saw it, but I, I was there and I ran to him. I ran, I was waiting at the car where he knows that's where I am after the game. And I heard the shooting start and I didn't know where he was, but inside, inside as a mother, I knew, I knew it. And I ran to the shots. I ran to the shots and I, I couldn't get him, but I, I held him and I felt him leave, but I was holding him. He wasn't alone, but the surveillance video is very hard to watch. His kids shooting other kids and nothing's going to change. What were you able to say to him before he left? He said, I love you and I'm here. I called 911 and I touched his face and I held him. And I said something that we say as Muslims because he couldn't say it for himself. What is that? What do you say? It's la ilaha Muhammad Rasulullah. It means I believe in Allah and that my Prophet Muhammad is his messenger so that he can go out as a martyr because he is. He is a martyr. God chose him. I always knew that his life would mean something, but I didn't know it would be this. But if this is what God chose for us, then I'm going to honor him. In this way, he's not a number. He's not number 23 of dead juveniles in this city. He's not number 23. He's Nick, my son. Ugh, it's hard to listen to, isn't it? It's just, you know, this family of faith and 14-year-old, according to police, investigators, the community, the police have have come out strongly and said that this 14-year-old at Saul High School, um, which is a, a charter school and sci- specializes in science, for example, just a baby-faced kid um, described by all accounts as a great kid and old soul. And so the family, the community coming together, and that's just at all different faiths. This family is um, Mexican and Muslim, we're told, and many Christians, many Jews, many, you know, all these different faiths coming together and praying last night at a very emotional candlelight vigil and this as they call for answers and this as there is a $45,000 cash reward being offered for the arrest and conviction of those five gunmen who opened fire right after the scrimmage as the kids walked off the field and um, this unfortunately this 14 year old he was the one who was killed we know that four others were shot one suffered a graze wound was treated and released but three others remain in the hospital in stable condition and today the memorial of flowers outside Roxborough High School that is growing 
And we know that they're planning, you know, many different uh, tributes and activities and counselors at the school. They're ready to, to help not just the kids, but the teachers. You know, imagine, you know, for the educators who have to talk to the kids and face the kids and that sort of thing. So we'll, we'll have more on that as the, as the community copes as well. Um, what the DA is saying. And you heard that this week with DA Larry Krasner and, and that, is my my criticism also as a city resident and parent here is just I feel that Krasner and Kenny um, they're they feel you know that when I hear this these tragic um, interviews with parents and community members and then I hear city officials speak out like Kenny or Krasner and they just sound so apathetic and all they it feels like they just talk about themselves or worry about their image. And I just call for them to be humble and to be humbled by this. They are servants. They were, yes, duly elected. So do your job. And I think in any job, if whether you are fully to blame or not, if you're the one in charge and there is complete and utter failure, it's on you to make those in-flight adjustments, as it were. Make the change look at the policy, evaluate what's happening, and have a zero-tolerance policy for violence. And say, and say openly, this is, this is not happening again. We're doing everything in our power. We're not letting this happen again. And until then, all hands on deck. Do you hear that being said? No. Do you hear any level of accountability? No. So we'll continue with much more, and I, I promise you we have uh, some fun stuff to celebrate as well as the Philadelphia Police Department continues to investigate this shooting this week and many others, including those within the past 12 hours. The Dawn Show is going to come right back. Many tributes are pouring in to Al Primo, legendary creator of the Eyewitness News format. Mr. Primo has died. He was 87 years old. And Mr. Primo was a former news director at KYW-TV back in the day in the 1960s. And that's when he invented that eyewitness news format, which, of course, um, became really a, a really a pattern that the rest of the nation then copied that. And it was a, the eyewitness news format was the, the beginning of um, how news stations would would really, you know, decide to to. How can I say pattern their newscast in that in that way? So the first anchors, Tom Snyder and a, a dear friend and role model of mine, Marsha Rose Shestak. Remember Marsha Rose? So the uh, format, it obviously changed the face of not just local news, but national news by having you know, the reporters were in the field telling their stories firsthand and saying, you know, this is Bob Smith for Eyewitness News. That whole format that we now still see today, that was the idea and the brainchild of Al Primo. So he also had roles in the development of network news. So a little bit of a tribute to Al Primo as well as uh, as well as Marsha Rose Shestak. It's a real trailblazer for sure. I think Philadelphia, if you think of your some of your favorite you know, anchor women over the years and news women and journalists, Philadelphia is a leader with especially women in the business of journalism. You know, even I'll say, what, 25 years ago, there were no 
female um, meteorologists. And now you look at the change, the male meteorologists are even few and far between compared to the women. Because when was Cecily Tynan? She was hired after Dave Frankel left CBS, you know, 6ABC. So Cecily then was the morning news anchor there and then was promoted throughout. But you think about that, you know, Kathy Orr, meteorologist Kathy Orr, Sue Serio, um, they're all trailblazers because you think about in Philadelphia, I think up until maybe the mid 90s, there were no female evening meteorologists. And you look at today. So it's kind of cool. And then once they had then once the women kind of took over. And who was the one who went to D.C.? What was her name? Sheena Parveen, right? And Sheena had that, always had something on that everybody was talking about. And I don't know. It's just, uh, it's fun to look back at the history in any event and think about back in the day. All right. Today is, um, you know, for us, there's so much happening and we have so much developing locally at the state level, national level, international news. But I have to take a moment to at some point, Matt DeSantis, I have to carve out time to thank you for being my first show producer, even though Jimmy Kelly, he's staying. But this is our last official show together because you're moving to Afternoons with Rich Scioli. Yes. I mean, again, there's a chance I'll wash out in Afternoons and I'll Stop. be back. So uh, <laughs> It might not be a permanent goodbye. Could just be a short one. Uh, but yeah, it's very sad. I love doing your show, Don. No. It's so much fun. Well, back we, at you. And we work so well together. We do. Yeah. It was easy. Yeah. So, so Attic Anthony, as uh, Rich Scioli nicknamed him at some point over the years, Anthony's back. And you're all from here. You're local. You love this area. And that's just it as we maybe shuffle the, the deck a little bit. The truth is what I love about about WPHC and the fact we're going to all this all local live format from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. is that it's it's not about us and who's reporting where. It's really more about you know, reporting everything and bringing you all of the news and bringing it in a way that I believe is not being told anywhere else, right? So sometimes you'll see, well, we will air local news stories or local sound or audio as it's called, but then we try to put that into perspective. And when we see different news biases, and there are all levels of bias, including that of omission, that's a big one. But we try to, you know, bring all of this to you and we're dedicated to that. And it's more about you and it's more about following the story and following up on the story. And that's something else that happens. I think the news cycle is so hectic nowadays. You know, back back in the day, we'd say, oh, there's a slow news day. There's never even a slow news hour, you know. And, and speaking of that, I did see I found this earlier and I'm. I'm sort of embarrassed because I don't I I usually pride myself on, for example, seeing what the CDC is doing. But one week ago today, the CDC had quietly updated its COVID-19 guidance. So moving forward, I'm going to I'm going to tell you about that and share you share with you what they changed. And I'm looking as well at what how it affects Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, our entire area. So it's very important to think about that. And then my friend Ike Richmond, who I've you know known for so many years, I love that he now has his own communication company. And he was originally um, taken, you know, Ed Snyder, the late great Ed Snyder, who, of course, was the, the former owner of the Flyers, among other um, teams, Ed Snyder and Sixers and everything. But 
you know, Ike Richman is somebody who I just adore. Now he has his own communications company, but he had tweeted out, you know, the fact that 55 years ago today, it was when the, the old Spectrum building had, you know, debuted. And so we talked about that. And so I had absolutely, you know, tweeted out that my memory, my favorite memory of the Spectrum was more recently was my, because it has to be about the boys. My boys, Michael and David, were little and they loved the Wiggles, which I don't know if you know who they are, but they were, they're an Australian group. I think now they've, because uh, tragically, I think one of them had cancer and so some of them left, but they're like hot, hot potato and they sing all these like little cute little songs. Anyway, so, um, but the Wiggles were performing. And so, and Larry, my husband and I actually saw Ike because at the time he was running the communications uh, there and under Ed Snyder and so on. But that was one of my memories. And I'm thinking, oh, I have to pull up those pictures and little Michael and David, and I'll have to get the video of them dancing and then embarrass them, you know, and all that good stuff. But it's fun to think about those memories 55 years ago today, 1967. So share with me, call in 855-839-1210, some of your favorite memories of um, the Spectrum, or, you know, you could do Veteran Stadium, too. Um, I remember Veteran Stadium before it was imploded. I was I, I was pregnant with Michael running the bases, and, and I hadn't told anybody yet, I think, that I was pregnant with. Everybody probably knew, but gosh, it just takes you back. You know, thinking about that, thinking about when, you know, the Spectrum was, was opening, that's about the time that Mr. Piazza was opening up his first his first dealership here in our region, in the Philadelphia region. Obviously, they've grown as the Piazza family has grown with the kids and grandkids involved in the company. But if you're thinking about a newer certified vehicle, my friends from the Piazza Auto Group, they're always here for you for all your automotive needs. And Piazza, yes, they have grown to include Piazza Premium Automobiles, Land Rover, Jaguar, Porsche, Mercedes-Benz, Alfa Romeo, Maserati dealerships, and they're across Pennsylvania, Northern Delaware. Just visit them online, piazzapremiumautos.com for a location nearest you, P-I-A-Z-Z-A, piazzapremiumautos.com. Tell them Dawn sent you. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices so join the revolution subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring listen on your odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast you'll be glad you did so i'll get back to local news hi i'm dawn stensland you can find me on twitter at dawn stensland and we'll talk about what's happening down south and with recovery and rescue efforts in florida of course 
you know, a federal judge is now vowing to stop hiring law clerks from Yale Law School. So this is an interesting story that Matt found in uh, National Review had highlighted this. This is Judge James C. Ho of the U.S. Court of Appeals, Fifth Circuit, announcing yesterday he'll no longer be hiring law clerks from Yale Law School. Now, first when I saw the headline, I said, oh, maybe he's a Harvard guy. Is that is that it, Matt? He's a Harvard guy like you? I actually don't know. Um, if he is, then I definitely understand <laughs> why he wouldn't want to hire anyone from Yale. So Judge Ho, H-O, he was speaking as the keynote speaker to the Kentucky Chapters Conference of the Federalist Society. And the title of his speech, Agreeing to Disagree, Restoring America by Resisting Cancel Culture. So Judge Ho cited a number of high-profile examples of speakers being shouted down or otherwise censored at law schools across the country. But he singled out Yale Law School as one particular law school where cancellations and disruptions seem to occur with special frequency. And so you've heard me talk about this. You've heard I've you know interviewed some of the, the victims of this kind of cancel culture. But the judge says here Yale not only tolerates the cancellation of views, it actually practices this. And uh, he, according to prepared remarks and National Review is saying that this is their exclusive. In other words, that they uh, received the prepared remarks and they're quoting the judge's statements. So he said, starting today, I will no longer hire law clerks from Yale Law School. I hope other judges will join me as well. And Judge Ho has made waves in the past for his outspoken criticism of left-wing campus culture. So back in February, in the wake of Georgetown Law's suspension of uh, Ilya Shapiro, the judge surprised the audience at a Federal Society-organized event at Georgetown Law's campus by giving a resounding defense of Shapiro during that speech that was initially intended to be about originalism. I think at the time I had talked about this, but uh, the judge delivered blistering criticism of the campus attitudes that at that time had led to Shapiro's ouster, arguing that cancel culture is not just antithetical to our constitutional culture and our American culture, but to the very legal system that each of us seeks to join. And so he declared that if Shapiro is deserving of cancellation, then you should go ahead and cancel me too. (laughs) Doing that little me too line, which was clever. But his half-hour address to the Kentucky Federalist Society Conference sounded some similar notes arguing that all too often law schools appear to be run by the mob, uh, whether it's out of sympathy or spinelessness. And the bigger problem, the judge worries out loud, that our entire country has now become a campus, if you will, with academic trends trickling out into the mainstream American society. So cancel culture, he, you know, talks about is also deeply embedded in journalism, entertainment, sports, and the arts. And the consequences are significant in many different ways. So the judge says he contends that cancel culture is one of the leading reasons citizens no longer trust a wide variety of once leading institutions. I think this is beautifully said. 
by Judge Ho. And I'm glad he's speaking out about it. And I've talked a lot about this, that it's it's a culture of then intimidating people. And what happens? You go in the closet. But also during those college years, one of the points of going to college, those late night times when you sit and you eat pizza and you just discuss, you talk, talk amongst yourselves like the Saturday Night Live bit. But seriously, and, and you listen to one another, share ideas. And it's beautiful. It's great. And it's... <laughs> It is a celebration of our American democracy and freedom of speech. But in this case, um, Judge Ho really zeroed in on the specific instances of cancel culture at Yale and talks about, for example, uh, Judge Bill Pryor disrupted by loud, angry law students in the classroom. Remember this, Kristen Wagoner of the Alliance Defending Freedom, Monica Miller of the American Humanist Association, all faced those disruptions that became so intense. Police officers had to ultimately call for backup and escort the panelists out of the building and into a squad car while the associate dean who was there throughout the entire event did nothing. And then Yale administrators had to threaten to destroy the career of a law student and ultimately sent an invitation for a, a party that referred to his apartment as a trap house if the student didn't apologize, telling him that his membership in the federal society was very triggering for students. I mean, law students being triggered. And we've covered all of this. And again, we've done interviews and all of that. But, you know, the judge saying it turns out that when elite law schools like Yale teach their students that there are no consequences to their intolerance and illiberalism, the judge writes, the message sticks with them. Good for you, Judge Ho. And talking about, he goes on about, you can read it, it's nationalreview.com. It's a, a terrific article that thinks about the recent history of this, but setting the tone for other law schools and for the legal profession at large. And says that he certainly reserves the right to add other schools in the future. But his sincere hope, he he starts ending with this, his sincere hope uh, that he won't have to. And his sincere hope is ultimately they're going to get the message. But I say this is great. And this is the kind of speech that we need to hear more of. And so I'm thankful that he's he's willing to do this. When we talk about justices quickly here, I want to just talk about Justice Alito, this is at the SCOTUS level, the Supreme Court of the United States. Justice Alito pushing back after his fellow Justice Kagan questions the Supreme Court's legitimacy. So listen in. This is uh, Justin Justice Elena, uh, Elena Kagan, I should say. And she's speaking at what at uh, Regina University in Rhode Island. They're describing the difference between law policy and politics. So Let's listen into this. And I'm curious if you can describe for us the difference between law, uh, policy, and politics. Yeah, well, there should be a big difference. Um, <laughs> I, I hear knowing laughter, which I guess is, is, is not to say that there always is, that there are times when. Um, the, the, but, but, but there shouldn't be. I, I mean, in our system, there are many uh, subject matters that uh, present policy issues and that also present legal issues. But the legal issues should be understood as very distinct from the policy issues. 
So, uh, so you can think something is really good policy, but it turns out, I mean, just to sort of focus on constitutional law, um, you know, it turns out that what is good policy is not permitted by the Constitution. Or uh, you can think something is uh, really bad policy, but it is permitted by the Constitution. So if Congress has, happens to disagree with you on whether it's uh, bad or good policy, uh, a judge has to know her place. And so, uh, you know, there are, uh, I, I come from the world of law schools, and in the world of law schools, there are plenty of people who say law is politics, politics is law. Uh, I think nothing could be further from the truth. I think it's really important that there be a divide between the two. I think uh, a court does best when it keeps to uh, the legal issues, when it doesn't allow uh, personal political views, personal policy views to affect or infect its judging. And um, uh, the worst moments for the court have been times when judges have allowed that to happen, when uh, you know the very worst moments have been time when judges have even essentially reflected one party's or one ideology's set of views um, uh, and uh, uh, in their legal decisions. I mean, that just can't and shouldn't happen, uh, that there has to be a, a, a strong distinction between the two, and the judges have to know their own role. Ironic, isn't it? Her words, and especially the final words, know your role. Just as Samuel Alito had pushed back on Kagan's attempts to discredit the court in comments, and I, we told you about this at the time, um, he made comments to the Wall Street Journal, he did not name her directly. I've always been comforted by the fact that the justices are a tight-knit group. They have each other's back. Um, they, they work together, and they're very friendly. And I think that I hope that continues and they don't become as divisive and political. But um, I know that Justice Sam Alito had, in fact, pushed back on this. It, he, his comment was this. It goes without saying everyone is free to express disagreement with our decisions and to criticize our reasoning as they see fit. But saying or implying that the court is becoming an illegitimate institution or questioning our integrity crosses an important line. He's exactly right. And recent polling shows that steep decline in public trust of, well, a whole lot of inst institutions, as we've talked about, but especially the high court. There was a Gallup poll recently this summer showing that just 25% of all Americans say they're confident in the institution. This is talking specifically about SCOTUS and the Supreme Court of the United States. And that was uh, down from 36% even in 2021. A lot of people are pointing to uh, that recent decision such as Dobbs v. Jackson, Women's Health Organization, which overturned Roe v. Wade, which, of course, as we know, is an issue of states' rights versus what is actually physically in the Constitution. And so I wish that Justice Kagan would have taken a moment to explain that. And she could have even said, hey, you know, she hopes that Congress will take this up, that, that in other words, um, elected officials could, could push for, for example, a constitutional amendment. And put abortion rights in there. Okay, that's what is not in there. I wish she would have taken a moment to explain the importance of states' rights. But she didn't. And that is what, that's unfortunate. It really, it, 
because I, I don't want to see the court become so politicized and lose that credibility because the law matters. Justice matters. And so there's a pathway, certainly, to make to to change the Constitution if that's what if that's what they want to do. And of course, that's why, as you all know, um, the upcoming midterms are so important because hanging in the balance we have here in Pennsylvania, our election for the open seat now being opened by, of course, Senator Pat Toomey, who's retiring. This is an opportunity for the, the balance to be at stake here. Who will who will control the Senate? Will it be Republicans? Will it be the Democrats? Hanging in the balance, your vote matters and every single vote matters. The Dawn Show is going to continue right after this. I just got word. I was, I've been worried sick. I have friends and family, and I know you do too, in Florida. And so, um, you know, I'm getting now t- texts from friends and family in Florida. They thought they were texting me back. But the problem was things weren't going through because they've had, obviously, cell towers out and all of that. And so I just got word from several, several different family. I'm just like, oh, thank you, God. You're okay. But one, uh, one family member, she, she lost, every, I mean, her, her home is gone. It's, it's gone completely. And another family member, I know um, they, other family members, they went and got at least like one grandmother. She's 90, but then they left the cats behind because they were in a rush. Because you have, you know, some people 90 plus years old and they're living in Florida and they've lived here forever and they would not leave and family went and got them. So now she's very worried about her cats. Uh, so I don't have the word on the cat, the kitty cats, but you hate, oh, you hate to hear all of this happening. But um, they just, you know, I got some texts just now during the commercial break and they're saying, we're okay. Thank you for your prayers. Please thank everybody who, you know, hears the sound of your voice. Thank you. Thank you. And I did tweet out ways to, because there are calls for donations and not just monetary donations, although I'm seeing they're raising millions and millions of dollars and there are so many great nonprofits. So if you do want to donate, whether you go to the American Red Cross, you always want to go to the American Red Cross so that it's so that it's here in America helping those, for example, in Florida, helping those in, in the Carolinas and so on. But they are also in desperate need of blood donations, for example, as rescue crews continue to search for people. They have so many injured people. We have first responders from across our region who have headed there, continue to head there. So they need volunteers. They need blood donations. They need monetary donations and then goods as well, blankets, that sort of thing. So the donations, you know, we we are in this great nation and we are so giving and so loving and it is appreciated, you know, and that's that's what I'm seeing in my text. Please, please, please tell everybody that's listening here on the Odyssey app, which is, of course, free, A-U-D-A-C-Y, the Odyssey app, or and you can download it. It's so easy. Or if you're listening here on WPHT, you know, 1210 PHT, thank you, thank you from so many in Florida. And even as they've lost everything, as far as their home, their belongings, the picture albums, everything, they're just um, really praying together and thankful that they have their lives, they have their health, and now the cleanup continues, 
And I also have another dear friend who's already being told, you know, their roof was blown off and they lost so much and the insurance companies are folding and giving them a hard time. And one friend had said, you know, you know, your payment, your payment to the insurance company, your homeowners and all the three types of insurance that you're required to carry in Florida. And it's so expensive. And, you know, you miss one payment, even if it's a day late, they're on you telling you when it's going to be canceled. And now here is the time of need. And the insurance companies are saying, oh, we're overwhelmed. We're no, we can't handle it. We're sorry. And I get it. I get it. It's a catastrophic storm. But they're the insurance company. That's why we pay the biggity big premiums, which oftentimes are higher than an auto insurance payment, for crying out loud. So that to me is not acceptable and and irksome as well. Matt DeSantis, what what do you want to end on this hour? We have a lot coming up at the top of the 11 of our next hour. Can we go to something? Yeah. Um. So you had just mentioned communication issues stemming yes. from the hurricane. There's actually, and I know you love Elon Musk. You know um, I love Elon. I don't know Big if you fan. saw Yeah, page 38 of the show sheet if you're looking for Thank it. Thank you. Um, I should tweet. This thing is a book. We should just you know, publish too, it someday. It's too long some days, and today <laughs> is one of those days. I can't find anything that I want. Um, so anyway, uh, obviously there are huge protests going on in Iran currently, and uh, I, I know you remember, perhaps the audience remembers as well that when um, Russia first invaded Ukraine, there were communications of issues, and Elon Musk actually helped alleviate those issues by uh, allowing them to access the Starlink satellite system, and he's now doing the same thing um, in Iran. So I think that's incredibly interesting. And there's also a very interesting cut on this same topic. This is National Security Advisor uh, Jake Sullivan. He was on this week with George Stephanopoulos over the weekend. And um, he was talking, uh, he was asked about whether or not these protests in Iran could potentially impact uh, the negotiations currently going on, uh, as, you know, the nuclear talks between the Biden administration and uh, Iranian officials. And this is sort of his, his weak answer. Protests in Iran, are they a threat to the regime, to the survival of the regime? Well, it's it's like the question you asked about uh, Putin's Russia right now, where he's seeing protests. Um, you know, the United States hasn't necessarily over many decades had a great track record in perfectly predicting when protests turn into political change. And I can't perfectly predict that sitting here today. What I can say is they do reflect a deep-seated and widespread belief among the population of Iran, the citizens of Iran, the women of Iran, that they deserve their dignity and their rights. And the United States is being absolutely clear and firm publicly from the well of the United Nations, as you heard President Biden speaking out on behalf of the universal human rights of all of the citizens and all of the women of Iran. And we're taking tangible steps, too, to help facilitate the access of Iranian citizens to the means to communicate with one another and to connect with the Internet uh, so that they can have their voices heard uh, inside Iran and outside Iran. And we will continue to do that uh, because we believe that it is our duty to stand with people who are trying to stand up for themselves. Some Republicans in Congress have said the crackdown on the protests are reason enough to walk just, away from the just Iran Just stop nuclear- it there for a moment. We'll continue on with this, but in the great game of political dodgeball, uh, I guess uh, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan 
takes a victory lap for that dodge. And you don't hear Stephanopoulos, who clearly knows what he just did, doesn't even double down and say, whoa, whoa, come on, man. Come on, man. You know, like Biden does. But seriously, Stephanopoulos is a smart guy. And and he knows that he his question was just dodged fully. It was a good answer, but not to that question. He's dodging it, clearly. And that's a sin. Answer the question, dude. Shame on you. And shame on Stephanopoulos for not holding his feet to the fire, making this administration accountable. Answer the question. Never did. He never answered the question. So we'll continue. I'm going to take a quick break here. We want to start at the top of the hour because I do have uh, several breaking news stories. I want to report to you the latest locally, nationally, statewide. What's going on? It's all here on The Dawn Show. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 